what's going on inside of me. That's where I think every day. An awareness and healing podcast with your host, Doug Lacey. And Gonzo D. And the theme is about that question. What's going on inside of me? The following interviews depict substance use and mental health disorders, including abuse, depression, suicide, and trauma. If you or someone you know are suffering from these disorders, we recommend reaching out to the National Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org or the National Alliance on Mental Health at nami.org. That's N-A-M-I.org. Listener discretion is advised. Ed, eating disorders. Tell us a little bit about your background and... Um and why it's very key, because I think when it comes to eating disorders, I think a lot of people have strong opinions, and sometimes that can get in the way of research and as well as evidence-based practices. And I think when speaking about something that that affects people, it's really important to to get on the side of science and on experience. And I'm I'm very honored to be to be having a conversation with you and to be able to share all that knowledge that you've accumulated in a way that that, that people can really embrace it. Uh, how, how did your journey in, into eating disorder start? And, and, and tell us a little bit about the education and the background that you've had and, 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 and why this is such a, a passion and driver for you. First of all, you know, I, I went and got my, finished my undergraduate work late. You know, because uh, I had gone to college and, and quit and went off to Vietnam and came back and uh, just wasn't for 10 years of everything on hold. And uh, so then, and then I went on and finished that and began working in the addictions treatment after that. And it was mainly purely addictions treatment, but they were, finally they would let, like I was talking about earlier, they would let the compulsive eaters come also to treatment. And uh, and so that worked out first. It was a little bit of a shock because I'd never worked really with the compulsive eaters, thinking it was so different, you know. And and yet, it it really it wasn't. It was very similar in that in that the compulsive eaters ingesting a substance into their system to change the way they feel. So emotionally, they have a very similar route. The alcoholic drinks to basically change the way they feel. But we look at it differently and they look at it differently. It was wonderful to watch them, like I was mentioning earlier. You know, the compulsive eater sitting there, huge guy, looked over to this other guy and says, you know, why do you drink so much? I don't get it. And he, did, he wasn't being mean. He just couldn't understand it. And this alcoholic young man, young man said to him, so fat. And it was like, clicked for both of them. And it makes a lot of sense. I, I remember once, I guess, I went down bowling and I said if somebody wanted to, like, I, I don't gamble, but we, we were just joking, like, hey, did, did, does, does somebody want to play for a soda? And somebody said, I I have an issue with gambling. And I go, like, it's just a soda. But obviously, you know, for someone who has a problem. And immediately I knew I, I respected his boundary. But at the core, the, the, there's an emotional driver for, for people's behavior. So I spent about four years on that and got my undergraduate work. And this is and, psychology counseling? Right, psych counseling. Was that, was that eye-opening? No, that wasn't very eye-opening. They're going, they're going back and finish my degree? No, 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 no. It was the actual on-the-job that was really the eye Oh, okay. So you were already quite insightful to what you were learning? Oh, yes. Yeah, I really was. I just, 
one of the degrees, and, and I got them, because I had some intensive training, even as a counselor, and then the OJT. I mean, I'm running groups, I'm doing individual counseling, I'm in supervision. OJT for someone who doesn't... As a counselor. On the job training. Well, I even got my undergraduate before. No, it was after I got my undergraduate work. And, you know, I'm in uh, supervision with Renetta, and just... To this day, I know her name. I, and I can tell you, at 10 o'clock, every Wednesday morning, I was in Renetta's office for supervision. So it's how, it's, it, it's how, it, it sounds like tech, textbook is great, but once you're, once you're with people, nothing replaces that, that. I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say don't go get. <laughs> And, and in some cases, see, in some cases, even when they're going in their masters, they're starting to get into supervision and everything. Mm -hmm. I'm in supervision right out of the, the undergraduate mm -hmm. work. I'm out and on the job, doing the work, in supervision, uh, you know, writing notes, uh, meeting and, and coming for case review. Uh, I'm, I'm doing all of that, you know. And now... And now, and I, I'm taking this is this is this is um. It, it sounds like you start tapping into something that's your calling. Oh you know, yeah. Because oh, if yeah. you're if you're vividly remembering the name of the people, this is something that all your attention was was there. Oh yeah. No, it was. You're right. It was a calling. I felt at home. Mm. Like I got. I mean, I had tried many different things. And it wasn't feel. It never felt comfortable, you know. I mean, it just didn't feel comfortable. But this felt comfortable. This was I was home. And so anyway, this one. Go ahead. Oh no no no! I I was saying I'm sorry for bringing up uh, and and I hope but something tells me that also perhaps generational. You said you went to Vietnam. Something tells me that these events also had a uh, uh, an impact on 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 your on your person and perhaps some of that insight was do do people who get into mental health sometimes um, are are they seeing perhaps reflections of themselves bringing a little bit of their own insights when they're when they're starting to want to help people if you've done your work on like the ptsd then yes mm. i hadn't done the work yet on the ptsd oh and it hadn't really it hadn't come out but i didn't see it no one else did either i was just like cruising along and, and doing well so no one ever challenged it i never challenged it but it did affect me in outside in relationships uh, and many other areas, but it was like I was able to keep this process going of, of being a very good therapist and, and all that stuff. In the meantime, you know, on the inside, I hadn't even done that deep. I did a lot of work around my own issues with substance use really well, but no one ever, 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 ever brought up trauma or anything, ever, not one time. So as you're starting to interact with others and, and doing your own practice, little things of yourself start start coming up. Little by little, and still waited a while to come out. No, it's common practice in therapy that as you start becoming a therapist, you also have a responsibility to be working on your own, right? That's why I was in. in I was in. I was in clinical super. I was even in. We did uh, in the training in my initial training. Uh, at this institute where I went for, not for my undergraduate, but 
to train counselors. And and two nights a week, we were in personal growth group. Mm. Two nights a week, we were in, in supervision group, demonstrating our skills and everything we had learned, uh, therapeutic skills of group and everything, you know. But never in the personal growth group, never was it ever brought up. I didn't see it, and they didn't see it either, I guess. You know, so it is possible to sometimes be still carrying a little bit as you're uh, a little bit. <laughs> I was carrying a whole bucket. It hadn't even been opened up yet, but I'm sure it must have come out somewhere. But but I'm I'm also thinking that the the, the human psyche in in a way also it's almost like let's let's work little by little because if it were all to come up in a moment it would it probably would be yeah. very overwhelming. <laughs> human psyche I think you're correct mm -hmm. uh, but he was it was unbeknownst to me even at the time mm -hmm. you know I was only let's see I was only came out of Vietnam in 70 this is 82 so 12 years you know after Vietnam I'm facilitating groups so a long time had had gone by uh, and nothing And I'm guessing also it, it's important to have empathy. I, I, I'm from a generation that did not experience, uh, well, there are some who did, who did go to Iraq and, and perhaps later, I think you can tell us a little bit about that, that you might share similar feelings with people who, who, who serviced. But it's, I, I think sometimes people who haven't experienced those, those type of events find it to be a little kind of like well that's that's so off and uh and, and and i'm just coming from a place of wanting to have empathy of what it is to have incidents leave a mark and change how someone perceives behaves or or later kind of closes off to this full emotional range of of experiences for our next session that would be a great exactly as you've described oh it. so just because uh, i can i mean we could do another talk here easily Well, we wouldn't be talking about the eating or anything and, and going deeper into that part in the long. So, so we'll bring that up later, but just trying to be very empathetic. So, because if people aren't talking about uh, service and perhaps events like war, obviously, like you're saying, some of these things you're, you're still holding in and little by little they're coming up. But what I did want to say is that in, in psychology and counseling, there is the healer heal thyself. So, so that people understand, because sometimes people are afraid of therapists, right? Of course. And therapists are afraid of therapists, I think. Sometimes. <laughs> this, is, this is really, yeah, I mean, if you don't know, you just sort of skid right along. And, and that's what, that's what happened in my case. But the other thing, and then we'll just go back to what you were saying, what, how you started a conversation. Um, what's it like growing up in an, in an unhealthy household? Mm. It's a war. Oh, wow. That, that's a powerful <laughs> one. So, push your eyes and then look around whether you're in a jungle or you're in a beautiful home. It doesn't make any difference if you got your eyes closed. The impact, the emotional impact is identical. You know, I don't, that's I don't moving, know. That's moving. For me, I went to war. Excuse me. You know, living sexual abuse, maybe. Hmm. Living emotional abuse. No, come on. There's, that's a war going on. So, so just because somebody hasn't been to it doesn't mean that they haven't experienced it themselves as well. 
I've never been sexually abused, but I, you know, I understand how that must feel. The, 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 uh, the lack of dignity that they carry about themselves, the secrecy they have to keep, the, how that affects them even emotionally and, and in every single neuron in their body. So our childhood experiences, and this you learn, I think, in psychology and counseling, the first years of development have very strong, have strong implications on, on how we develop as people. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it is something that's hard to talk about just because re-experiencing it in itself is very, is well, very intense. Shame associated with that. So shame. Shame's associated with it in many cases, for example. Sometimes you, it's easy to talk about the war, but talking about being sexually assaulted in your family or sexually molested in your family. And now for those who haven't experienced sexual abuse, there's also physical abuse, there's verbal abuse. Emotional abuse, uh, sexual abuse. Yeah, I mean... Addiction, substance use disorders at home. These, these leave marks in people. How... how when it comes to eating disorders, would you say a very large percentage of those who are suffering from eating disorders uh, come from families where, where there has been um, uh, uh, abuse or, or, or just dis-ease in the sense of not having the, 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 the space to, to develop fully emotionally? Emotional abuse is, you know, not... How do I say this? Not coming from a family where the emotions were never even discussed or were sometimes demonstrated in an unhealthy way. It's the same thing. It's that emotional abuse. And now it wasn't done to abuse them, but the impact on their lives, unbeknownst to them, has happened. You know, I won't say that every woman with any, or every person with any disorder. Uh, came from, you know, we were getting beat up as little kids and this and that and all. But the emotional abuse comes in many ways, mm. in different ways. Even, for example, let's say, and with the eating disorder one, the father or the mother saying, you know, if you continue eating like that, you're never going to get a date. Oh. Or, you know, why aren't you as pretty as Jane? You know, would you please, why don't you come, let me fix your hair so you're really beautiful when you go out. These are messages. That we don't think about, they get overly. I mean, sometimes it's okay to say, you know, hey, you know, I can tell my son that I had a 22 and 24, I whatever it was, what tell him, dude, you need to get a haircut. But I didn't say you need to get a haircut so that you could get a date. Mm. And I didn't stay on day in, day out, day in, day out to get a haircut. But there are people who do that. There are mothers who will, I've had mothers who buy dresses that are too small for their children and they want their children to lose weight and fit into the dress. Hmm. What's the message? I am not good enough. Now I'm also hearing like a social implication of what it is to be either desired, accepted, and obviously to have a whatever fruitful life it is. So, so your background, you start delving into psychology, counseling, grad school, because okay, some of these... We're get off track here, but let me come back to that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's a lot going on, but obviously oh, I'm very passionate well, about it. And then finally even uh, got to a position where I was in charge of training new therapists. So you get and, to a place of training therapists. And I wasn't easy as a supervisor, you know. 
easy as a supervisor because I really want, I knew, I knew this because I had a lot of people, not everybody who's a therapist have been, had addictions or anything. Mm. Some get there for secondary reasons we're not sure about <laughs> and other just want to be nice people and try to do this thing, right? Uh-huh. But as you were saying, until they get to their own stuff, how are they going to be able to facilitate somebody else's stuff? Mm. So I was an easy, I, and I have the students in, uh, I think, like I was talking about earlier, twice a week in personal growth group, hour and a half, no slack, you know, an hour and a half. And uh, every, for 10 weeks, this went on. And, and so during the day, they're getting uh, courses around, you know, addiction therapy, uh, the psych side of the house, uh, family systems approaches, different things. But let me tell you, come the evening, they're in their own personal growth. And so I really emphasize a lot of work being done there. So anyway, so I finished that and I retired. I retired, I was 40. I think I was 40. And I, and I got to then had an opportunity to the very next day to take over as the director of an eating disorders treatment facility in San Diego. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I got to bring this first eight to 10 years with me into that new position. But it was really there I began seeing the, some of the severe anorexia, the bulimia, mm-hmm. and of course, the compulsive eaters. Now, and so that was um, just a wonderful experience because even as the director, I wasn't, I, I didn't direct from being way over here on this, with my director title, I was involved in what was going on and I could, I could watch, I could, I'll never forget this. There was a, a guy, he was probably, well, he couldn't get out of bed. He was so big. Mm. Get, now his best friend, weighed about 45 pounds. Beautiful mm. little girl, young girl, and she was like his best friend. And they hung out together. And when they would get him up and get him in this oversized wheelchair, she would be the one she couldn't push him. But she would, she'd try. <laughs> try to push him, and she couldn't. So they, but so she'd walk next to him. And they were best friends. But he's going, are you so skinny? And she goes, why are you so fat? <laughs> But they, but, and you know, and, and they got a friend, but you got to see the, if you get out of this, if you get out looking at them and just see that what they're doing is working together to try to have some kind of relationship, but they got the same stuff going on inside. Oh, that's, that's, that's so beautiful. So you've been, you've been doing this for a very long time. You, you've been di- directing centers that are focused just specifically on this. Let, let, let me ask you something. Something tells me that as, uh, the practices and the therapeutic approach has evolved from throughout all these years that you were involved in this. Oh, yeah, of course. Did you have a say into kind of, did you say we need to change something? We need to bring something in new? How much creative input did you have? Oh, I had all kinds of creative input. Oh. He is creative as you've got experience too. So these are all, you know, I mean, I would bring, for example, and uh, in, in the other is the new place was like, whoa, I'm taking a look at the therapist and licensed therapist and you know, they're not doing their own work. So you're, you're also noticing we need to amp up the training. Uh, we, we need exactly. better. Mm. And I could send them off 
often that I can send them off to even a two-week training in Utah Summer School for Alcohol, alcohol Studies, the uh, Eating Disorder Studies. I can send them off for trainings and they would get that and then come back with more information. You know, which uh, really helped them develop. And to this day, you do consulting in, in the industry. Would you say that you're one of the, the top uh, go-to individuals when it comes to eating disorders and substance use disorders? Guys in trouble, yes. Uh, but right now, I focus mainly around working with people with trauma. Hmm. Just come to, I don't, I don't separate the alcoholic from the eating disorder anymore. Let's go down to the core issues. And this is the most beautiful thing. I think you, you said, look, If we're going to be doing a podcast, we have to be focusing on the core of it all, which is trauma. It's almost like let's not let's not beat around the symptoms and the overt uh, symptomatology. Let's get to through the root of it all so that we can get to, to, to solutions. It's easy to help you eat healthy. Mm. But how long is it going to last if you don't do the other work? No. Oh, so that makes a lot of sense. So no matter how much you try... And even go to 12-step groups. So, and you know what? And even in the 12-step programs, we don't talk, and I don't ask that they do in any way talk about trauma. And a lot of therapists, and a lot of um, people do change a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Doing the 12-step work and really delving in and doing the 12 steps in, in their program. What I'm saying, though, that there's a freedom deep down below that that hasn't been tapped into for many of them. And that would be the trauma work. So community is key. You even mentioned it even in the centers. You could see how, how these bonds were healing for each other. Community is key. 12 steps is an essential part of someone's journey. However, it won't do to get to the next level, which is that... that Yeah, and, I, and I'm, I'm the whole story I've told. I was sober the whole time with through every experience I've told you so far. I was sober. I was going to many, 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 many things and, and had these cool positions and, you know, done all the deal. But the, the richness is so further deep down inside. And this is my experience. This is what I've seen working with people when I work with. I got off the phone this morning with a lady. She's probably uh, 14, 15 years sober, had an eating disorder, the bulimia and everything. She's 55 years old. And in the last year and a half, we've done a lot of work around the trauma. A lot, a lot, a lot. And she went to a meeting Saturday morning, and she just got off the phone telling me about it. And I could almost come to tears for hmm. another woman share. And she said, oh, my God, that's me, too. But she was able to see that because she's done her trauma work. So, so Ed, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. It sounds you've been doing this sounds like all of your life. You're still dedicated to it. You're moved by it in such a human way. So I think it does happen sometimes when someone is too textbook enriched and doesn't have the human aspect, you don't have that compassion. You know, even when you can't connect, when you have the desire, you always find a way to connect. People can feel where you come from. 
I think, okay, I think that that's true, very true. There are a lot of people who have not had any of those experiences who who can be good therapists, can be can be genuine, can be you know, authentic, can be respectful to their clients and help the clients grow and everything. Uh, but I think in many cases, by not doing the work with the trauma, and I'm not saying the therapist has to be in, but I think they need, they need to have that understanding of the impact of what that trauma does to somebody's life. And now they're even thinking of the word trauma, everyone always jumps immediately to like a war uh-huh. or sexually abused. And there's, you know, so, the, and there's the, so the, much more. And there's many other other factors of play in that. Many factors. And we're going to be talking about them all. We're going to be going and delving deep, but re- reminding uh, listeners we're going to be talking about science we're going to be talking about research we're going to be talking about what works and how how things have progressed so that people aren't afraid of therapists uh today's rehabs are not your parents or grandparents rehabs they're certainly not the places that used to be institutionalized where people were uh given heavy medications and and physically inhibited we've come a long way but we have so much more to grow and hopefully in our conversations we'll be able to attend uh what does the industry need um that 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 like the power play of the of the financial incentives where this strong desire to really want to see change and also how how it's so challenging that very few people want to actually help and people also need to understand this you know how how challenging attending these disorders are and we'll be going through it all thank you for the opportunity to 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 be to to be sharing your time and your experience i'm i i'm 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 very lucky to be able to to kind of be under the the hood to to be peeking into all of your experience and um and hopefully we'll be able to to impact a lot of people's lives and learn from their own requests uh we'd like to share with with listeners if you have any questions to please go ahead and 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 go on uh on our Facebook page and uh, to leave a request to leave a message and uh, hopefully this can be an interactive conversation yeah it'd be really nice to watch uh, uh, watch this grow but with them involved I think it's very key you know if, if this is going to be if this is going to go somewhere it needs to be interactive we need to be learning from from those who are from from those who have questions and um without without anything uh more to say thank you for the opportunity to begin this podcast and uh and i think next up as you said let's let's talk about let's talk about ptsd and and trauma in our next episode you got it for sure thank you very much i really appreciate your your having this ingenuity and this drive to get this started i appreciate that thank you ed what's going on inside of me